for this day that you have given us. Thank you for your love and for your mercy and for all you are in our lives. We just pray that this morning you will be here and present as we look into your word again and that you will speak to us and guide us and instruct us that our hearts will be open and ready to receive your instruction. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here we are at uh, John 10 today, looking into the word about the power of his word and that all things are upheld by the word of his power. We've been going through, we went through the Old Testament kind of on a rocket mission. <laughs> Capsule. <laughs> stopping. Stopping at the highlights, like on a on a tour bus mission. I guess that will be better, yeah. Tour bus. Stopping at the highlights, right? And looking at how words affected those situations and how God spoke in different various ways. And now we're in the New Testament looking at how Jesus spoke and what he had to say about words and so on and so forth. So, John 10, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Wow. They didn't understand it, and yet it's kind of clear, right? We do understand it. Thank God we understand it because of the Holy Spirit that reveals it to us. And we understand that he's saying here that the sheep, sheep follow the person who they know. Um, If you've ever read Keller's book about shepherding, very interesting. And he talks there about this and he says how when he approached his sheep, he would sing. He would he would go towards them, sort of singing, or else sometimes calling out, starting to say their names. Um, yeah, approach them singing, and they knew his voice. The sheep had learned to know his voice, and so he did that because to he he did that to keep their comfort level, because again, as I've told you many times, sheep are easily frightened, and then they tend to bump together and fall down, and you have to stand them back up again. They can't stand themselves back up again. And so, (laughs) yeah. Uh, So he didn't want that to happen every time that he, he approached them and, and came to them. So he would, he would start to sing or call out to them. And of course they started to learn that it was him. It was their shepherd. And so um, then they would get happy, and they would they would they would they would, they would li- learn to. Okay, now here we go. Here's our shepherd. You know, they they knew his voice, and there's you could spend a long time on this thought alone. There are so many voices in our world that are called. This room is full of sound. You just have to tune into the, depending on what you tune into, right? Our our world is so full of of noise and so many voices 
Only the abused sheep would follow somebody that they don't know or listen to a voice that's unrecognizable. And we have people in our world that listen to any voice that comes down the pike. Absolutely any voice that comes down the pike and says, Thus saith the Lord, and their head over heels, Oh, this is a man of God, this is a woman of God, This God said this, God said that, God said the other thing. Well, I'm sorry, but most of what I hear people saying God said not so much. It's got to be, there's got to be, mostly we hear God speak to us from his word, number one, from his word, from his word. It's just a, an area that's gotten really abused in our world, and we have to be careful. All of us have to be careful that, you know, Satan has a sweet and kind voice at times that sounds very smooth and nice, I want to say. And we need to be careful that what we are hearing is really God's voice and not just our own. You know, we have our own thoughts and we have our own, you know, things that we think about stuff and, and we can assign that to God and say, well, God God said this, God showed me that. <laughs> just slow down. <laughs> let's Let's make sure that um, what we're saying and what we're saying God said, he really said. And, and it's not just our own, our own brains kicking in and our own wills dictating what we want. And so um, it's just an area that we need to be careful. But the good, you know, there's, the, there's this good, the good side is that we have a shepherd. We have a good shepherd who cares about the sheep enough and he wants us to know his voice. And that he wants us to be able to hear hear him speak to us. When we did the Eldridge's book, we had that in there. He brought that out so beautiful. How we shouldn't be afraid to, to say, to, 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 to train ourselves to hear God's voice and to know when God is speaking to us and to give him opportunity to speak to us and to guide us and to know when it's his voice and and it's so wonderful and what a difference that brings into our existence when we wait until we hear his voice and know he's saying yeah come on follow me this is the way come here do do this don't do that and how the shepherd you know again um i don't know if you've ever read any of keller's books i think it's philip keller but they're just that's just it's just wonderful because it just gives you so much so much information about this analogy and about how we are like sheep and how, you know, the shepherd has to take a lot of care. A good shepherd has to take a lot of care over the sheep. They can't find stuff to eat on their own. They need to be led to the food. Um, if they're left to themselves, they'll just stay on the same patch and, and, and pretty soon it's just mud and parasites. And they're just, you know, they'll just stay there and eat that and eat that and eat that. And so they have to be led to new pastors and he has to go find them. And and he has to make sure when he finds some green pasture that it's not full of snake holes and, and weeds that are poisonous for them and and all, you know, all kinds of intricacies that, you know, we say, oh yeah, the good shepherd, you know, just kind of <laughs> goes goes right by. 
And then when they, they need water, and they, they don't find water on their own either, and so he has to go find water for them. And again, he can't just take them to, he can't take them to the babbling brook for, for water because they'd be terrified and they'd all fall down and, and bump together and, and then he'd have to stand them all up again. The water would frighten them. They have to have, they have to have calm, quiet water. So, you know, all of that takes care and, preparation. He has to scope out the land and he has to see where to go, where not to go, and so on and so forth. So, I mean, I mean, of course, this was in the days where, you know, they weren't feeding them grain. Like today, you know, they keep them in pens and barns and feed them grain. They were actually taking them out on the hillsides and finding places for their sheep to graze out, out in the open. So it was quite a job, quite a job. And again, this is why we're talking about this, because it's the picture of how our, our Savior cares, takes care, and watch over our life, and speaks to us, and just loves on us. He, he just loves he, a, a good shepherd is it's telling us here, looks out for the sheep, because they're, they belong to him. And, you know, if they didn't, if they didn't, somebody that's just hired doesn't really care if one sheep gets lost or, or poisoned or, or, or whatever. But a good shepherd cares about every one of the sheep. And so, and it, it says here that he knows them by name. And wow, well, how, how cool is that? You know, we, um, have a small church and sometimes somebody new comes for a while. Somebody will come to me and say, what's their name? <laughs> we have a small, and that's just in a small group, you know. It's, it's, it's hard to sometimes remember everybody's name. And yet God knows our name. He knows my name. He knows your name. That's, that's wonderful. Our names are written on his hands, yes. And he says he calls his own sheep by name. Wow. Wow. That's, that's, there's comfort and there's, um, just so much there um, that makes us to know that he's really looking out for us. And that's a good feeling. That's, that, that's good because we're, we live in a world where there are all kinds of things that prey on us, like tigers and lions and bears, you know, and, <laughs> and from in, in, the, in the spiritual realm, there's so much that would attack and, and prey on us and evil. And so... But we have a good shepherd who's looking out for us. He's scoping it out. And he's saying, yeah, come here. The grass is good here. <laughs> and uh, he's looking out. He's looking out for us. The uh, shepherd has to make sure that the sheep don't get, you know, those burrs. And, and if they get close to those, those bushes, you know, out in the open, they have the, like, the, that, those sticky things, you know, the stuff that sticks to their, and it sti- easily sticks to their, to their fur. And then he has to, or their, you know, coat. And then he has to take care of that. He has to put oil on their ears. And I mean, when you, it's just on and on the care that he takes. And when you see that, that that's, that's the, that's what, you know, I, I told you this once before. There was a, I had friends who were pastors of a church where the people on his, on his board told him, um, we're not sheep and you're not our shepherd. <laughs> we're not sheep. And so, the care that that he takes over us and that we we can't you know people don't like this analogy because um you know it's said sheep are are 
pretty dumb creatures, you know, because they, like a, like a cat cleans itself, a dog tries to clean itself, and most animals have some form of uh, self, self-cleaning that they do, but not a sheep. He depends on, the sheep depends on the shepherd for that. And so, so much about sheep that we're like. And Jesus said, that's what we're, what we're like. And to teach us how we are dependent on him. And so we need to learn to know his voice. And that's not something that should be left for mystics only. No, and I'm trying to scare you away from hearing his voice. You understand that. We want to hear his voice. But well, we want to make sure it is his voice and not our voice. We could we can fall in love with our own voices too. That's not good either. All right. Um, Jesus continues on this thought because they didn't quite get it. And then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he was not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep and sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. And the hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known by mine my own as the father knows me even so i know the father and i lay down my life for the sheep and other sheep i have which are not of this fold them also i must bring they will hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd that included us because of course initially here he was ministering to the israelite nation of the jewish people and he says but others are coming they're going to hear my voice too Therefore my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. So here we see that the people who played out the scenario, they were just uh, players in the field, so to speak. Jesus' life wasn't taken from him. He, He laid it down. He gave it. He gave it freely and was able to be raised up again also. Therefore, there was a division again among the Jews because of these sayings. And many of them said, he has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said, they are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So here again, we have this division, which we've been talking about quite a bit since we came to the life of Jesus, because there we see it again. They're hearing his words and what he's saying. And they're understanding it. They're understanding that what he's saying pretty much says, I'm God, I came from God, I'm, I'm the Messiah, and um, you need to believe it. But they're looking for that overthrow of Herod. And they're looking for that overthrow of the Roman influence in, in their land. And they are so, so bent on that and so focused on that. And I say that repeatedly just to help us because, again, we can be so focused on what we think is God's answer. And sometimes it's a good thing. That would have been good to be free of the oppression of Rome. There was nothing evil about that thought. 
that that was a good thought. They were oppressed by that, and they were, and you know, through their history, many times God had raised up a mighty warrior and delivered them physically from um, oppression of of physical enemies. Right? I mean, that had happened all through Israel's history. So, you know, here we can't say, "Oh man, you know, what's wrong with them so much?" Because that was kind of what they had what their history it was full of from getting out of Egypt. God overthrew the Egyptians, literally, right? Cast them into the sea. And so now here, when they're looking for Messiah to come, of course they think he's going to be a deliverer from this oppression of Rome and we're going to rise to supremacy and be the, you know, that, that was, that was natural thought. And we have to be careful that our natural thoughts, they may be good, they may be good natural thoughts and logical natural thoughts, but they may not be God's thought. God's sometimes coming at it from a whole different way, has a whole different answer, has a whole different perspective on, this, on the situation. And so, again, you know, it's that humility to come before him and abandon our, our good thoughts, our good solutions, our good it's that abandon and that surrender to say, Lord, you know, I think this would be the best, but what do you want? What's your will? Your will, not my will, be done. And um, to really say that in sincerity and truth, you, we can say we can say the words, but to really mean it is another thing. And so we see here that because of these sayings, again, notice that's what it says. It's because of the sayings that some of them were like, oh, this man's crazy. And others were like, he can't be demon-possessed. He's healing the blind and, and, and making lame walk. And, and so um, we see it brought division. His words brought division. His teaching brought separation. And it just it still does that. And we want to make sure that we learn to, to know his voice. Jesus said, come, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And so that's what we want to do. He's, he's gentle and easy to be entreated, and we want to come to him. Um, then I'm jumping to Luke 9. And in Luke 9, we have, um, it happened that the Luke 9, verse 57 now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And this brings us to a whole different uh, perspective here. We have people who um, come to Jesus and say, I want to follow you. And um, Jesus said to him, foxes of holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. In other words, I'm not here, to, I'm not here offering you palace a palace to live in so think about it and they then he said to another follow me but he said lord let me go first and bury my father luke 9 57 58 then he said to another follow me he said lord let me go first bury my father now that sounds pretty legitimate i mean we would say go go ahead jesus said to him let the dead bury their dead but you go and preach the kingdom of god as in other words, this man was using that as an excuse. You understand? Let me wait until my father dies, and then after that, 
or some, something to that effect. He was using it as an excuse, and Jesus saw through it. And another said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell, which are at my house. Jesus said to him, no one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. You know, if, 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 if pastors went around saying stuff like that today, whew, <laughs> right? So what's Jesus saying here? He's saying it's more than lip service. You know, and some people, we know, have the words, say, say, say stuff that sounds good, but the living doesn't match up to it. They, they're, they're not about, they're, they're not about him. They're about them. <laughs> and gotta be careful. Gotta be careful. Jesus wants us to be real and genuine and follow him. Not just say, Lord, Lord. Not just say, I'm gonna do this, you know, I'm, I'm this, that, and the other thing. Not just say, I'm so wonderful. <laughs> everyone, everyone follows me and looks to me and calls me and, no, it's, it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. Jesus says here, don't put your hand to the plow and then look back. If you're gonna follow me, then follow me wholeheartedly. He doesn't want a divided heart. He wants a heart that's whole, wholly His, following Him wholeheartedly. He wants a heart that's true and faithful and not going, well, you know, I had a lot of fun back over here. Um, I've heard, I've heard people say that. I had a lot of fun back over there. I think, uh, well, w- w- when I'm with you, I'll, I'll be this way. But once in a while, I'm going back over here and <laughs> have some fun. Well, that's not what Jesus is looking for. He's He wants us to be wholehearted. And when he comes to us, he he comes and he helps us. And when we allow his spirit to invade us, so to speak, he he can give us a, a whole heart that we're one purpose. I've, de- I've decided, as Pastor often says, to follow Jesus. No turning back. Not even looking back. Look what happened to Lot's wife when she looked back, right? She looked back because she had whatever. You know, her stuff was there. Her stuff. But our, our hearts have to be focused on, aimed at, at heaven. Aimed at heaven. Focused on heaven. Nothing in this world is gonna hold me back from, 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 from that goal. Nothing. Nothing. Not good things. You know, it's, it, for, for, for people who've known the Lord and been in around, in and around church for a long time, it's not usually, it's not usually the evil, the, the worst, the evil that, 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 that holds them back. It's good things. It's good things that hold them back. And we have to make sure our hearts are set like a, like a, like an arrow, set like an arrow aimed straight for the target. We're not gonna miss. We're not gonna miss the mark. And what makes us miss the mark is sin. Sin is what makes us miss the mark. And so we are going to allow ourselves to be separated and that's what jesus is saying here also there has to come separation separation from sin and all that would hold us back sometimes and sometimes that's very hurtful but it's necessary if we're gonna hit the mark and we don't want to miss that mark that's not one we're gonna miss right so let everything else fall where it needs to all right and then matthew eleven twenty. Uh, again i'm going through a chronological um, Bible here, so it jumps around a little bit, but goes chronologically through Jesus' life. 
he began to rebuke the cities which most of his mighty works had been done in because they did not repent. And here we have his words, Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in a day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven and will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say to you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. Wow, powerful words, aren't they? In other words, they had the living Son of God walking through their land, healing the sick, raising the dead, teaching them about the kingdom of heaven. They were going to be held accountable for that opportunity for sure and we are too we are people of privilege in so many ways if you travel at all you know that we are people of privilege we've heard the gospel much and we are it requires something of us and god is going to hold us accountable at that time jesus said i thank you lord of heaven and earth you've hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes Even so, Father, for it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. And then here's that verse, which we just were talking about. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But, you know, we like this verse, but it means that we need to get yoked up with him. That means he's in charge. I'm not in charge. And again, you know, this is a human nature thing where we like to be in charge and call the shots about our own lives. And here he says, come to me. Get yoked up with me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. He doesn't push us beyond what we can bear. And... We walk with him, we're okay, right? Then going on, and this is Luke 10. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them out two by two and before his face in every city and place where he was about to go. Then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. He doesn't tell us, there's not many places When they asked him how to pray, he gave us the pattern of the Lord's Prayer. That's one. Here, he says to them, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. And that's that's what our prayer has to be. Sometimes we pray other things, but this is what we're to pray, that the Lord of the harvest will send out laborers into the harvest field. That's what our prayer should be. And not to zap people and to, uh, you know, we again, we have all these ideas of what God should do and how we should do it. But this is what Jesus said we were to pray for, that he would send forth laborers into the harvest field. Sometimes as we pray that he'll send forth laborers into the harvest field, he puts it on our heart to go and to do and to be a part of the answer to that prayer. But we have to pray the way he told us to pray. It's about his kingdom coming, his will being done, his glory, and his everything for him 
And not, it's not about us at all, except that we are willing tools in his hands, willing tools in his hands. And amazingly enough, he can use us. Then we go on in Luke 10, verse 13, we come to that passage again, similar to where we were in Matthew 11, where he says about the cities, woe to Chorazin, woe to Bethsaida, woe to, if the mighty works had been done in you. He who hear, okay, let's read this because this talks about our hearing and the words. Um, in verse 15, and you Capernaum who are exalted to heaven will be brought down to Hades. He who hears you hears me. He who rejects you rejects me. And he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. So we see that, you know, all along, Jesus is, is let, uh, letting us know that his words are important. We need to believe his words and hear his words and hear his voice. And, and that means, means something to him. Then, of course, the 70 come back rejoicing and he says, rejoice. That's, is okay. Rejoice in what's been done, but rejoice more that your names are written in heaven. And we always have to remember again, that it's not about us. God can perform his works and miracles with or without us. But but the, the cause for, for greatest rejoicing is that our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And then continuing in Luke 10, verse 38. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. These were Jesus' friends, Mary and Martha. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. I was just really blessed by that when I saw that. That's what it said. I mean, we always think of Mary as sitting at Jesus' feet. But it said she heard his word. Wow. That's what she was That's what she was about. Hearing his word. She had a passion and a love to hear his voice and his word. That's wonderful. And that's, that's, and Jesus commended that. Martha was distracted and with much serving and she approached him. She was running all around like a chicken without her head on and she's, Lord, don't you care what my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. Jesus said to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away. He didn't say that Mary shouldn't help her. Of course, we always help help one another when we can, don't we? But what he's saying here is he treasured that when he came, she was just listening for that voice. She wanted to hear him speak to her heart. She she got it. You know, she got him. And and, and he appreciated that. There were, he, he he enjoyed that as much as, as she enjoyed it. He, he, he liked that, that he, she got it. She was listening for his words. And, you know, there's that, there's those two sides. When somebody's hungry to hear God's word, it pulls it out of you. We have, uh, you know, we see that. You see that in your own lives. Somebody that's really hungry for the word of God, when you get together with them, it's easy to talk about the word. And, and, and the word is just, ah, oh, so you just, can't, you can't talk about it enough, and it's easy to talk about the word. And then there's other people you get with, and better not talk about the word because, man, they start squirming, and yeah, it's really an obvious thing, isn't it? You either you either love the word or you don't. And so, 
Jesus appreciated Mary because she loved his word. And she loved to listen to his word and get his heart. Praise God. May we be like that. That we love to hear his word and know his word and do his word. Then we go on in um, chapter 11, I believe this is still in Luke 37. And as he spoke, a certain Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and sat down to eat. And of course, when the Pharisee saw it, he marveled that he had not first washed his hands before dinner. Oh my goodness. This was one of their 634 rules, you know. <laughs> God forbid. Now we know that it, it is good to wash your hands before dinner, but yeah, better not read this to your kids, huh? <laughs> 37. Then the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees make the outside of the cup and dish clean, but your inward part is full of greed and wickedness. Foolish ones, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But rather give alms of such things as you have, and then indeed all things are clean to you. So Jesus again is adjusting the focus from the outward to the inward, to the heart. But then he comes, he goes on. I mean, they're all concerned about, oh my goodness, he didn't wash his hands. And he's like, all right, let's get this straight here. You're so concerned about all of those 634 or whatever, however many it was, rules and regulations, but no, no concern for your hearts and, and the condition of your heart. Let's get it straight here. And then he goes on and he says, But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe, mint, rue, and all manner of herbs, and 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 pass by justice and the love of God. Those you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. So he's saying, you know, you got the works going on, you got this outward stuff going on, you know, you tithe and you know, you do this and you do that and you do the other thing. But pretty much he's just saying here, it's like, just flush it, you know, just, just, <laughs> yeah. justice and the love of God is what you need to do, is what he's saying here. And he goes on, woe to you Pharisees, for you love the best seats in the synagogue and greetings in the marketplaces. Oh, the praise of man, yeah, everybody tells me how, how good I am, that, we like that. Woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like graves which are not seen, and the men who walk over them are not aware of them, fall into them. Nice, huh? Again. Then one of the lawyers answered and said to him, Teacher, by saying these things, you reproach us also. So Jesus said, Okay. (laughs) Woe to you also, lawyers, for you load men with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Oh, yeah, we can tell people what they ought to should do and how they should do it. But to help them to do it, that's another story. And we don't want to be... And then we back away. No, I, I, I can't do that. Let somebody else do that. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets and your fathers killed them. In fact, you bear, in fact, you bear witness that you prove the deeds of your fathers, for they indeed killed them and you build their tombs. In other words, you know, they, their forefathers treated them badly and then they erected like monuments. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Therefore, the wisdom of God also said, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they will kill, persecute, that the blood of all the prophets, which was shed from the foundation of the world, 
may be required of this generation from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah who perished between the altar and the temple. Yes, I say to you, it will be required of this generation. Why of this generation? Because they had the living Son of God standing before them telling them that he was the Messiah and they weren't getting it. They were rejecting it and they were they were rather going with it. The rabbis from 2,500 years ago said this, and I think it meant that, and I think it meant the other thing. Here they have Jesus standing there teaching them what the kingdom of heaven is about, and they're, well, I don't know, you know, I think he might have a demon, and you know, and, and it, Jesus said they're going to be held, held accountable for all the blood spilled from the righteous prophets. Wow, that's that's really heavy duty. Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves, and those who were entering in, you hindered. Wow. They didn't like this, of course. They gave them a hard time about this. But just, you know, it, this is good for us to read, because if somebody went around preaching like this today, forget it, they'd be banished to uh, the Isle of Patmos before you could blink your eyes. <laughs> just saying. Just saying, we people don't want to hear the truth of God's word in this world that we live. And we have to make sure that we want to hear the truth of God's word and that we want to embrace it with our whole beings, with every atom of our of our being. We want to embrace the truth of God's word and say, Lord, anything, anything you show me from your word, I'll I'll accept it as truth, and I'll walk in it, and I'll obey it, and I'll humble myself before it. May God help us. We're out of time. Thank you, Lord, for this word. Thank you that you care about us, that you are the good shepherd, and that you carefully watch over our lives for good and not for evil. Help us to rest in that knowledge and know that you do care about us. Thank you that our names are written in your hand. We love you, Lord. Help us to be good followers. In Jesus' name, amen.